Chapter twenty eight of Crime, its cause and treatment by Clarence Darrow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. Industrialism and Crime. It was not until about the middle of the eighteenth century that the desire for the creation and accumulation of property began to rule the world. Up to that time, such small amounts of property as man needed or coveted had either been produced in a simple manner by himself or taken in the easiest way. This new passion has made a large part of the modern criminal code. A world of warriors, religious zealots, and pastoral people could not readily adapt themselves to the change. Criminal codes were lengthened. Methods of getting property and keeping it were provided for, and other ways condemned. It must be obvious that it was not easy for man with his age-old machine, his inherited institutions, and his ancient folk-ways to adjust himself rapidly to the change. New conditions and laws created new criminals. With the growth of the factory system and accelerated industrial development, an overweening desire for material things was awakened. As neither individuals nor societies can be possessed of more than one overpowering emotion at a time, the devotion to property naturally weakened religious fervor. Religion became more an abstract belief and a social organization than a vital thing affecting life and conduct. Even before this time, there was growing up in the world a protest against the religious superstition that had led to the cruelties of the past. The scientist and the modern philosopher were making their contributions to the world of thought, and these contributions were slowly affecting life and conduct. A doubt of old creeds and doctrines and faiths was coming over the minds of men. Social conventions were loosening. New customs and habits were becoming folkways. In short, society and life were growing more fluid and adaptable. The growth of property holdings created new desires and new temptations. The accumulation of large fortunes brought envy and hatred and ambition. The rise of industries built the large cities, with palaces on one hand and hovels on the other. The vast inequality of wealth and the growth of workers' organizations, together with the spirit of skepticism which activity always brings, caused large numbers to doubt the justice of property rights, the utility of many institutions, and the possibility of radical change by social organization. It is perfectly evident that all of this movement brought more conflict between social units, a constant lengthening of the criminal code to protect the interests of the controlling powers, an increase of prisons, and an apparent, if not a real, increase of crime. Nothing but a strong government can long endure great inequality of wealth or social condition. The slaves of the past civilization were kept in subjection by main strength and fear. This enslavement was aided by the deep ignorance of the masses, who had no means of information and nothing but vague feelings of the injustice of their lot. Even then the poor sometimes revolted, but such outbreaks were generally easily put down by the sword. 
the growth of political power and industrial independence has been accompanied by the constant conflict of social forces this means conflict with the law and the law has always taken its toll of victims new inventions and methods that bring power of any sort carry with them social clashes protests bitterness conflicts and violations of law the invention of gunpowder was the source of great conflict and still continues to add to the inmates of prisons from the first the far-reaching effects of high explosives were seen by the wise and firearms were permitted only in the hands of those who could be depended upon to support the state gradually through the needs of the rulers in war they were given to the poor when the american revolution separated us from great britain the spirit of democracy and revolt was strong in the world a body of peasants had gained independence over the strongest nation on earth this body through its delegates provided in the constitution of the united states that the people should never be forbidden to bear arms the cheap production of firearms placed them in the hands of all who wished to buy this aided feuds and brawls it also gave strength to the burglar and robber america was fast becoming a manufacturing and commercial nation the accumulation of property was greater and the inequalities perhaps more marked than in any other land likewise the poor were more independent gradually we came to rely more and more upon the power of law and the force that goes with it to preserve the old order legislatures and city councils all over the united states began to limit and forbid carrying firearms the constitution of the united states was held no impediment to this legislation gradually laws have forbidden the carrying of guns by the common man and these laws are growing stronger every year in many states robbery with a gun may mean life imprisonment while the mere carrying of a revolver is a serious offence the passage of these drastic laws and the number of prison inmates confined for these offences show that the invention and use of firearms has affected crime and likewise that the government is constantly growing more doubtful of the common man civilization largely has to do with the creation and protection of property although it is related to literature architecture politics art and the like even these things if not actually rooted in property are stimulated or affected by property civilization has created new crimes and new ways to commit crime it has likewise created many wants and desires that furnish the motive power of property crimes each new invention of civilization adds to these needs and these desires increases the power of committing crime and necessitates stricter measures to prevent it civilization has likewise created many new outlets for the emotions strengthened old ones weakened others and added to the complexity of life it has imposed added strain and stress upon man's nervous system and through this has caused the abnormalities and excesses that are either crimes or lead to crimes civilization has created the big cities in other words the powers and forces 
that made civilization have made the big cities the invention and development of the railroad has taken men from the air and sunlight and comparative freedom of motion of the country and the small village and placed them in an atmosphere not really fitted for normal animal life especially the life of the young it has likewise stimulated crime by offering the opportunities and making the suggestions that are potent factors in crime in country and village life everyone was known the smallest detail of every life was an open book this fact furnished a moral restraint to the individual and likewise made it hard for him to violate the rules of the game the opportunities for collecting large numbers of people who might encourage each other with their conversation and association were very few in rural life the man who would violate the law must do it alone not only this but he must take his first steps almost without suggestion or aid this confined criminal conduct largely to the feeble-minded and the seriously defective and even these could generally live in a country atmosphere where life is simple and easy without serious danger to themselves or others the great city with its swarms of people its wealth and poverty its unhealthy atmosphere its opportunities for everyone to have many associates and still be lost to the community at large makes irregular lives not only easy but almost necessary to large numbers of men civilization has no doubt created crime as it has created luxury wealth refinement and ease much luxury has always led to deterioration and decay and is doubtless leading that way now one of the latest products of civilization that has had a marked effect on crime is the automobile stringent laws are on the statute books of all states against stealing automobiles yet stealing and selling automobiles is a flourishing and growing business a large percentage of the boys in the juvenile courts of our cities are there for stealing automobiles yet this is the work of a very short period i do not mean to say that many of the boys brought into court for stealing automobiles would not have committed some other crime if automobiles had not been invented and come into general use but i feel quite sure that many of them are victims of the automobile madness alone the automobile is one of the latest manias and fashions that civilization has provided almost no one is free from the disease conservative businessmen must have motor cars clerks and salaried people who cannot afford them must get them mechanics and professional men who have no need for them except that others use them must contrive to buy them automobiles are much more important today than houses men go into debt and struggle for money to buy gasoline so that they may drive somewhere for the sake of coming back it has created a psychology all its own a psychology of movement of impatience of waste of futility men in chicago start to drive to milwaukee without the slightest reason for going there they travel the road so fast that they could get no idea of the scenery even if there were something to see they hurry as if going for a doctor they reach their destination 
and then start back home. The specific desire that is satisfied by this expense and waste is a new one, an emotion of no value in the life processes, and probably of great injury in life development. It is a craze for movement, for haste, for what seems like change. The automobile has made its list of criminals, and it is making them every day. Probably it will continue to make them until the flying machine is perfected, and then, to some extent at least, the airplane will take its place. The truth is that man is not adapted to the automobile. His reactions are too simple. His inherent needs are not adjusted to the new life. He has not been built up with barriers to protect him from this insidious temptation which is claiming its victims by the hundreds every day. The boy is perfectly helpless in the presence of this lure. He wants to do what others do. He is by nature active and venturesome, and needs to keep on the move. The mechanism itself appeals to him. He wants to work in a garage. He is anxious to be a chauffeur. He cannot resist an automobile. No such temptation should be placed before a boy. It has added a great deal to the responsibility of parents and teachers, and so far they seem not to have been able to meet that responsibility in any way. Aside from the boy's thefts, it has played a great part in crime. The doctor, the real estate agent, the businessman cannot afford to be without automobiles. No more can the burglar, the hold-up man, the bank robber, if he would keep up to date. The automobile has raised the robbery of country banks from a vagrant crime, infrequent and dangerous, to a steady occupation, coupled with a great deal of excitement and some chance for profit. So far no one has ever suggested anything to counteract or lessen the evil effects, except to increase penalties. The crimes committed with and for automobiles are a result of the conditions of life. Out of a thousand men and boys, a certain percentage must commit these crimes, just as a certain percentage must die of tuberculosis. The temptation is very great. The human equipment is not strong enough in many people to withstand the temptation. They either buy them when they cannot afford to own them, or they steal them, and either way leads to disaster. No doubt men will sometime become adjusted to the automobile, as they have become adjusted to the horse. But until that time comes it will demand its heavy toll of unfortunates. Not only, it seems to me, does the growth of civilization mean the growth of crime, but that civilization likewise leads to decay. The world has seen the result over and over again, but it cannot learn. Man is an animal. The law of his being demands that he shall live close to nature. He needs the outdoors, the country, the air. He needs to walk and run. Otherwise, his digestive apparatus will fail, his brain power will decay, and the strength of his legs will be impaired. Civilization runs too much to stomach and nerves, and nature will have revenge. To be sure, the professional American rhapsodist points out that we are immune from natural law because we have a chance to vote for presidents once in every four years. 
but there are ample signs that nature knows little about political institutions or other man-made devices and that she will have her way how much the natural limitations of man will permit him to learn and understand how far his instincts and emotional nature would allow him to be controlled by knowledge if he had it what would be the results to life if reason could control him are pertinent questions that affect all discussion and which may never be satisfactorily answered it is entirely possible that the student who tries to point out better ways and teach better methods does it only to satisfy his own emotions and is often conscious that it does nothing else but whatever the inducing cause or result given a brain and nervous system and the material that civilization furnishes for reflection these and other important subjects will be interesting topics of study and furnish material for the reflective powers of man end of chapter twenty eight